The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Just come off stage after recording the Guardian podcast live at the Gilded Balloon. Uh, the show ended today with the Guardian, the musical, uh, a strangely uplifting and touching, wonderful piece of musical theatre. Fantastic. It had uh, Stephen Kamos, Lucy Porter, Craig Hill, Chris Green, and Tim Minchin. Uh, Brian Logan was overseeing that. Uh, the show started with Richard Herring, and we also had Sarah Millican on playing more Millican's Minute. My first guest presents a highly successful podcast with the broadcaster Andrew Collins. Uh, one reviewer said his show this year was moving, sweet and thoughtful, but thankfully he still leaves time for knob gags. It's called The Headmaster's Son. On every evening at the Underbelly, please welcome Richard Herring. Hello. Richard, hello. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I love The Guardian. I buy it every day. Do you? When I'm away in... Um, Europe, I really miss The Guardian so much that it's the first thing I buy when I come home and it makes me really happy. I'm not sucking up. <laughs> <laughs> it's that and, you know, the daily sport, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, also great coverage. Do you, do you, uh, your show is called uh, The Headmaster's Son. Yes. Uh, a personal retrospective. It is, yeah. My, well, my dad was my headmaster. And I kind of, it's weird, I've never really addressed this before. But I, I've, um, I was at the, obviously the same school, my dad was the headmaster, and... Um, and I, I kind of always, you know, suspected that it's had some effect on my personality and that I think, you know, I felt like growing up with all your peers being suspicious of you that maybe that kind of... That you when, I, when, I, when I left school, I still felt that everyone was suspicious yeah. and hated me. Um, so I kind of wanted to investigate that, really. And did they imagine that you were a sort of a sneak in some way, that if, you, if they did anything naughty in your presence that you would go and tell the headmaster? Yeah, I think, well, it's interesting because I think it's about your own perspective on it. You know, I, that's what I think... It's, it's difficult to know what they were thinking, but, you know, I think I imagined that they must think, oh, we must be careful with them. And I, there was an element of that, but, I mean, the show's sort of about looking back to see if I can blame my father for the way <laughs> it turned out. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and I'm forced to kind of look at the various personality traits I have and being sort of, you know, finding it difficult to settle down into a relationship and being a comedian and <clears throat> not really getting involved in things. And the kind of, there's a way of looking at it. You could go, well, I can blame all these things on, you know, the insecurities of my dad being the headmaster, but then you sort of start investigating them to see... It basically, it's about nature and nurture. It's like Shakespeare, but with, uh, <laughs> with more wanking gags in it. With better wanking gags, oh, right. he, does, he does a lot of wanking gags. Does he? Yeah, it's all that. You know, they're, not, they're very well disguised. They're, but, they're not but, funny. But you can spot them. You can, I can, I can you, spot You can spot them in anything. Because um, my, my father's a clergyman, so oh, I yes, imagine yeah. that. Sort of, I, I remember him coming to preach uh, at my school once, and, right. and that in itself was terrifying. But if your father's getting up every day... And yeah, yeah, it is a similar thing. But there's quite a lot of comedians who are, are, are either you know, religious figures or, uh, or teachers and, and headmasters, There's, there are quite a few that I think come, you kind of bump into people go, oh, my dad's headmaster or my dad's a oh, bishop. Really? Isn't Hugh Dennis's dad a bishop? And uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah Steve Frost, his yeah, dad was a bishop. And, and, and there's a lot of comedians, of course, with uh, messianic complexes as well. <laughs> there so are, yeah, which is, also within the <laughs> which is also within my show. And I did a show called Christ on the Bike a few years ago, oh, and, uh, which was about me wondering if I was the new Jesus. But, in, <laughs> but, but it, did, it did sort of come out of being, uh, as a teenager, I read my teenage diaries in this show. Luckily, I kept kind of very detailed diaries, and they're just ridiculous. I mean, the, arrog- the level of arrogance and self-pity from what, in the, within the same entry is... Unbelievable, but on the front of my diary, it generally says, um, I'm always worried that in a thousand years' time, this might be discovered and be thought to be a gospel. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said... Then I say, I'd just like to point out that it isn't. So I had some responsibility about my, my, my path. But I think there was this genuine... You know, there's another thing where I said about... You know, I, th- I think I thought I was going to turn into a major philosophical, historical figure. 
and I was reading a biography of Gandhi, and uh, in my diary that night I wrote, I wish I could have met Gandhi. I think we would have had a lot to share. <laughs> As a 17-year-old, which, uh, you know, slightly embarrassing, but it's very funny now. So it's, it's kind of weird to be sort of taking the piss out of the, out of the teenage me. But then I think as the show goes on, I sort of, you start to build up respect for yourself as well because, you know, I'm quite, I was at least trying. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I kind of cared about stuff even where I was wrong and I was quite, I was much more romantic than I am now even though, again, in the diary, just that romance is then tempered with you're in love with some girl but you're feeling up some other girl <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the common room and <laughs> trying to grab her tits. Uh, so it's kind of tragic. In my life hasn't really changed, I have to say. <laughs> That's what I've really realised. But, but diaries are uh, important to you still, because you, you write an online blog. I do, yeah. All yeah. blogs are online, I suspect. I'm not really my well, they'd, be, they'd be quite rubbish if they weren't, but uh, I'm sure they're... <laughs> <laughs> but have you, you've written a diary online every day for the last it's four or five? five? It's five and a half years. It's coming up to six years, yeah. I, do, I, I started off as just an exercise. I was, I, was, I was partly going through a bit of writer's block, and I was also just aware that I wasn't getting very much done. I kind of was just going through a slightly fallow period, and nothing much was coming in, and... Um, and I was, you know, and I wasn't really interested. I wasn't engaging with my work, and so I kind of thought. I actually read uh, that uh, Douglas Adams book, the, the Salmon of Doubt, which is just like a collection of loads of little uh, essays and stuff he wrote. I felt, it, you know, if I wrote something every day, then that would, you know, maybe help me overcome that. The idea was to sort of get myself warm. It's called warming up, and the idea was to that I would write for half an hour and then I'd be ready to work. But of course, I'd written for half an hour. I go well, that's. <laughs> Half an hour's work done, I'll put my feet up. <laughs> so, uh, it but, it, but it's been really useful because like loads of loads of the stuff in the last three or four shows I've done has come out of the blog, basically. Even with this show that I thought, oh, there'd be nothing in it because it's about my school days. But, you know, you've ri- I've written like little memories and stuff. that You forget, you know, you go back through it and you, you've, over six years you forget what you've written. So you kind of suddenly discover this really funny thing. Oh, that would be a good stand-up, you know. So. So I have to, when I first read it, I thought, why on earth would anybody do this, uh, if you don't mind me. <laughs> no, if, I can if, understand that. It's, uh, it's making yourself uh, extraordinarily sort of vulnerable and you're uh, exposing some, not, I hope not all, but some of your own sort of insecurities and, yeah. and agonies. I think, I mean, I didn't intend it to be very personal and I kind of, I've deliberately kind of let out, left out most of my personal life, but of course you can't really, if you're in a bad mood, you can't really disguise that or, you know, certainly in Edinburgh, it's kind of really hard to write in Edinburgh because you go through this roller coaster of emotions and you can't disguise when you're really cross or pissed off and, and sometimes you let stuff out. But, you know, I haven't, I know, I don't, I think it but it actually opened me up to becoming much more personal. I wasn't doing stand-up when I started writing it, so it's quite interesting. So A, it helped me want to get back into stand-up, but B, it helped me kind of realise that it's really good in stand-up to be honest and to, you know, to reveal stuff and be vulnerable. I find it strangely addictive. It's quite, always quite near the top of my browser history for some <laughs> well, reason. No, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, well, that's it's odd, a compliment though, to you. That uh, you should see the top of my browser history. No, you should. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Uh, you know, I think, well, I'll check my email, go a little bit of banking online. And I wonder what Richard Herring did yesterday. <laughs> uh, I've become oddly fascinated it, with your largely indoors life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is straight, but you know, because it is... But I think what's great about the blog is that it is, it's, you know, that I don't have that interesting life most of the time. But occasionally some, <laughs> something like extraordinary will happen that wouldn't happen to most people, like once every six months. But most of the time it is just me sitting around trying to write. So you've got to really... That's what... I think that's where it's been interesting, because I've had to really... You think back over the day and think... What what have I done today? And then you can't think of anything. And then you have to really pick on some minute little detail and sort of spin it out, which is why the, I did a routine about buying nine yogurts from a supermarket. Uh, yes. and the, the, I bought nine yogurts at once, and the checkout girl said, ooh, someone likes yogurt. Uh, 
And then like, I wrote this angry blog about how that I didn't necessarily like yogurt that much. I was just five. <laughs> I sort of defended myself in this blog. And then that turned into like a routine that then became a 40-minute stand-up routine about me defending myself against these accusations of unnatural interest in yogurt. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so, but you wouldn't, I would never, ever have thought of doing that as a routine if I hadn't written it as a blog. And I would, I would only have written it as a blog because there was nothing else to write about that day. You know? So it's, it's interesting how suddenly you can, something will just explode. And you know, some of them aren't as good as others, obviously. But if you, get, if you could write one good thing a month, then that's an Edinburgh show kind of there and then. You know, so. Nice one, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Herring is at the Underbelly every day at 7.30. Do your best to get along and see it. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Herring. The Guardian Live at the Gilded Balloon. Sarah Millican was with us on an earlier show in conversation with Jim Bowen. Uh, she's back. Let's find out how she is and who she's been chatting to this week. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Millican. Uh, Sarah, how lovely. Uh, since you were last on, you've been having a, a clutch of very, very healthy reviews. Yes. Does that make you feel better? Better than when I didn't have good reviews? Or <laughs> you need to be a bit more specific, just better in general? or Yeah, better about yourself. Better about myself? Because <laughs> I need the validation of others, yes. Uh, I, was, I was quite happy well, with how things were going before, but it's nice that people recognise it and, and give me nice reviews, yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm better, but I was still OK before that. Oh, OK. Um, Going a bit weird now, hasn't it? Well, um, no, so I, I know that you're greatly concerned about the, the welfare of others. We'll hear that on today's uh, Millican's Minute. Yes. But you, you, are, you are happy. Yes, I am happy. I've got a bit of a cold, uh, but from what I can gather, when people come up here for a month, then they do sometimes get like rickets and scurvy and stuff, so I think I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> I've got a bit of a cold, but other than that, I'm fine. No styes, no, no, no rickets, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm... Not even any diarrhea. Oh, really? Which I thought was a given. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling terribly with trench foot. Um, <laughs> uh, now I, I, I understand that you went uh, you went round to Felix Dexter's flat yes, for this podcast. Uh, how, how was that? What? How was his flat? Uh, his flat was lovely. But I did actually. It was weird because I did compliment it and I said, you know, oh, your flat's really nice. And he said, I can't really take any credit because it's not mine. <laughs> it's a bit weird when you do that though, because I wanted him to say, oh well, this is what I've done over here, and do you like do you like the mauve carpets and things? But I couldn't say anything because it's not his. Somebody else has done a really good job on it though. It's nice. Um, you should never take credit for another man's corner sing. <laughs> it's a good motto to have just in life in general. Mm. Uh, now uh, you uh, you've challenged him to uh, a game of uh, Millican's minute. I certainly did. And, uh, and it is because it, it, he's quite competitive, as I discovered, because Jim Bowen had scored eight, and uh, and I thought he really wanted to beat eight, and uh, so we'll have to see how, how he did. But I started off because I couldn't just go straight in with questions. So I started off by asking him um, how he was finding Edinburgh. I'm finding it, as you can imagine, very wet, cold, and loads of hills, but still very enjoyable. Enjoying the cab drivers as well. They're frequently asking me if I'm English uh, because I say, "Well, can I go to Pleasance, please?" And they go, "Oh, you're English, are you?" And then they start on some big thing about Robert Bruce and uh, William Wallace, all that, as if I had something to do with Edward II, you know, I was in cahoots. I feel like saying, look, you know, this is absurd. The first time I get uh, regarded as an English person, I'm being accused of a racial crime against another ethnic group, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> and are you eating properly? Because I know that is a worry of all comics, that we don't really eat enough. I'm eating uh, an adequate amount to sustain my energy and keep me alive. That's a brilliant answer because that's what we should all do generally only that's that what, and not too much yeah. when you finished your show are you likely to go drinking in bars or do you go home i tend to hang out a bit in a state of shock and confusion what has just happened uh, and then after about half an hour i calm down i tend to probably have a half but i'm not a big bevier 
Bit of a lightweight, really. Because I tend to, I tend to go home and I, I'm, I'm probably the same as you. I don't really drink, but I will socialise for a little while. But I know some people are up till four and five in the morning. Is that not yeah. something that ever well, appeals to you? I, I, I don't know, um, and maybe it's because of the uh, enormous penis I have. But I find no need to prove my masculinity by drinking excessive amounts of alcohol. I love what you're saying about all of the comics in Edinburgh. Well done. <laughs> well, you know, I, I can't speak for their manhood, but I know that mine being uh, enormous and almost painful to walk around with as it is, it saves me a lot of money on drink, basically. Well, to be honest, I don't drink either, so what does that say about my penis? Um, anyway. well, um, I, and you're becoming more fascinating by the minute. <laughs> I'm only interested if I've got a penis. Excellent. <laughs> Sarah, were you expecting that chat to head in that direction? No, I wasn't prepared at all. I should have done a bit more research on penis size related to how much uh, alcohol intake you have during the festival. I hadn't done any research at all. Uh, do you go out drinking? <laughs> After the... <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> right answer. <laughs> yep. I, I used to, but because uh, all my mates always called me Donkey Boy, I just got. <laughs> I got so. Your face. Um. Uh, as it happens. Um, <laughs> let's have a listen to Millikan's minute. Uh, the idea here is that you ask fringe celebrities some daft questions, uh, and they answer as many as they can in a minute. Yes, uh, well, you can say they're daft questions, but I didn't think they were daft. I thought they were insightful. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> this is Felix Dexter. He's got Jim Bowen's Eight to Beat. Felix Dexter on Millikan's Minute. Felix Dexter on Millikan's Minute. Tell me, Felix, what's your favourite ever punchline? Uh, rather than screaming in agony and fear like his passengers. EastEnders or Coronation Street? EastEnders. Elvis or Cliff? Elvis. What's your favourite pudding? Uh, spotted Dick. Which newspaper do you read? Guardian. Early morning or late night? Late night. If your house was on fire, what would you leave? I'd uh, just leave. <laughs> what do you read on the toilet? Uh, instructions as to how to unwrap the toilet paper. <laughs> What's your favourite film? Platoon. What's your non-alcoholic beverage of choice? Water. What did you have for breakfast today? Uh, a toasted uh, sandwich of egg, bacon, mushrooms and tomato fried. Healthy. Can you dance? <laughs> uh, like a wizard. <laughs> Can wizards dance? Excellent. Daft, daft, daft. Um, uh, now, you, uh, you, can wizards dance? I don't know. I still don't know. Do we think wizards can dance? See, exactly. So maybe you can't dance then. It's just the old wizard get out. Uh, <laughs> We've all done it. So how many did he get? He got 11. So he's in the lead. He's in the lead, right, yeah. so that puts Jimbo into a very worrying last place. Well, but he's 71. I don't think he cares. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Millican and Richard Herring. <laughs> we really have been looking forward to the next part of the show since we arrived in Edinburgh. Brian Logan has gathered a top team that have, in a very short period of time, put together The Guardian the Musical, or The Musical. Here to tell us all about it is that very man, Brian Logan! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... Lerner and Glow, Rogers and Hammerstein, Kander and Ebb, Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. Ladies and gentlemen, this illustrious pantheon will today have some new names added to it. Uh, we came up with the idea for Guardian the Musical about uh, six weeks ago when we were discussing how to cover the Edinburgh Festival. We thought this might be an amusing stunt. 
It was very poorly thought through and ill-conceived. We had a dream team of uh, comedians and dramatists that we, that myself and Paul Arendt tried to get together to, to help us create this. And we didn't dream, you know, can you say that you didn't dream that you'd get your dream team? Anyway, we did. <laughs> and they're all in this room. Uh, they've had six weeks to rehearse. <laughs> they've had six weeks to rehearse and a full Guardian salary. It's uh, no, had, we, had, we, had two, we had two times two-hour writing sessions and one two-hour rehearsal, which was essentially still writing. And they've been writing it until five minutes ago upstairs. I kind of expected that maybe, you know, why would they want to invest in this project? Why would they take it seriously? It was just a silly newspaper stunt. But it's been really quite moving how seriously they've taken it and how committed they were and how much fun we've all had. So I hope that your opening round of applause and indeed your closing one reflects how much work they've done for nothing, just out of the goodwill and a sense of fun. So without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Guardian the Musical. In a room used for 11 months of the year as a storage space for dead animals. A room that has more in common with the Kursk than a theatrical venue. The comedy duo, Ebony and Ivories, await the arrival of their audience members. A really big fan I think this show is gonna be great I just can't wait You'll always find me in the front row Today alone I've seen seven shows And they all started late But I don't mind I've seen this act eleven times And they're so fine And this time I promise not to laugh Before the punchlines even though they've gone from four pounds to 28, I still can't wait. I am an eager young leafleter. I always dreamt of going to Korea for my gap year. <laughs> Instead, my summer's drifting away. I hand out soggy flyers all day and drink too much beer. I did this job because they said I get into the shows for free. But I've been here two weeks and this is the first show I've managed to see. Metro said it was unmissable, so I thought I'd give it a try. <laughs> but even if it's shit, at least I'm dry. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my mug? I don't know. Where's my mug? I don't know. Where's my mug? Fuck your mug. I don't want to fuck my mug, I want a tea. If I lose my fucking voice, where will we be? Well, it wouldn't make much difference out there. You could lose your fucking legs for all they care. One ticket, one ticket sold. This festival's a joke and the joke's getting old. One ticket after all the years we spent and we only take 60 percent 
We were young and optimistic once Now here we are, one ticket and two cunts who've come for free This is not how I dreamed it would be One ticket and two fucking cunts One dickhead and two fucking cunts is going to be tedious, but I write the reviews and they read them. Comedy's declined as a medium. The audience response is Pavlovian. Say fuck or spaz, and they laugh. See? <laughs> I want Arthur's postmodern and Brechtian. I want to bump off Michael Billington. Where's comedy and Lenny Brucean? I'm just sick of this comedy pollution. But I write the reviews and they read them. Yes, this is going to be tea. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please slap the soggy, fleshy bits at the ends of your arms together to welcome... Why do you always hog the intro? What? It's, it's the same with a duvet. You... <laughs> you know I get colder than you. Well, you may as well finish it now. Please welcome to the area at the front of the room that has become a stage simply because you're all facing it. The, the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Review Collective of, of comedians, comedians produced by a company with a pun for a name. Ebony and Ivories. So, I was walking down the street the other day and something quite familiar but amusing happened. a couple of days ago and she said something that most grannies say. Fucking tube. Ivory, come on. <laughs> I just, I just. Ivory. He hello, uh, good afternoon. What did you have for lunch? Because <laughs> I bet I can make a joke out of that. Whoa! <laughs> and, um, and you, you, what funny little hands you've got. <laughs> I bet they make you feel like a giant. <laughs> Oh, they would if you were bigger. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm over it. Did I become a comedian for this? Suicidal mornings and midnight on the piss. They said I was Australia's answer to Bill Hicks. Fuck. This 
Shit. This is a new bit. I've not heard this bit. Well, Patty Broad... <laughs> Broadway baby did say they're edgy. Fuck this shit. I'm over it. Well, my three years at Cambridge are for this. A mattress on the floor and two stars in the list. I've got a master's degree in English lit. Fuck this shit. <laughs> this has all gone wrong. This is costing me my last six months of jongler's money. This comic, comic life, life of ours has turned out not that funny. Fuck this shit. What's the point of comedy when we're doing it for nobody? Cunt, piss, tit. Fuck this shit. Let's go. Yeah, this is just rubbish. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. I think you'll find it's in your interest to carry on. <gasps> He's got a pen. Oh my God. And I'm not from three weeks. No online blog for new school geeks. So get the fuck back on and play your part because I am the guardian of the arts. Guardian. The Guardian's in. Oh, we got to get stuck. Yeah, let's do it. We've got to nail this game. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go. The other day, we were walking down the street and we saw a dog and then it spoke. Because it wasn't really a dog, it was a man in a dog suit. And it was really funny, so I told Ebony about it and he thought it was funny too, so we thought we'd tell you about it. Yeah, I spoke to my nan the other day. Yeah, oh, you've all got a nan. This is great. <laughs> this, is this is a killer. And she said things that all grannies say. <laughs> Boo. What? Boo. This, this isn't working now. Boo. I had a t-shirt made for you. Boo. I paid 28 pounds to see you two. So boo, you've got a job to do. Boo, the audience are people too. Just cause this guy's writing your review. Aren't my smiles review enough for you? Um, is this use of metatextual audience plants part of the show? Cause I'm actually really enjoying it. <laughs> this is over. We're finished. Fuck this shit. I may only be a performing arts student from Middlesex University, but I've given more to this show than you have. I've been out all hours trying to get people into this show. I've developed a chest infection, trench foot and gonorrhea. <laughs> and I've been looking at these quotes on your flyer and I'm starting to suspect that some of them like A dot dot dot, very dot dot dot, good dot dot dot, show may have been taken out of context. <laughs> Anyway, Stephen Stevenson, what does he mean to you? Why is he so much more important than me? Even if he is cleaner and less ridden with parasites. I'm leaving too. Fuck this shit. What? Stephen? You're Stephen Stevenson? Oh my God. Stephen Stevenson, I always imagined you were shorter. Steven Stevenson, I imagined you in a vat of piranha-filled water. 
Steven Stevenson, one day I'm going to fuck your daughter. He's going to fuck your daughter, Steven Stevenson. You gave those great reviews to Lucy Porter. Your poison pen has cost us dearly. dearly. You give us one or two stars yearly. Dearly. If you hate us, why do you insist, insist. on coming back, you masochist? We were spellbound by your influence when we sacrificed our audience. But now we see your fraudulence. You are going home in an ambulance. No, leave it, Ebony. He's not worth it. I realize where we are going wrong. Our audience was right here all along. Let's go get them back. Once upon a time, there was a boy. His name was me. His name was him. <laughs> he dreamed a dream of such critical acuity. Since reviewing Bacchus at the age of eight, he knew that he was born to culturally commentate. But now I feel the spotlight on my face. I wonder how many stars to give an empty space. So here I am alone, a colorless nobody, the leading man in my own black comedy. I always dreamt of being adored. How did I come to be? I'm human too. If you prick me, I will bleed. I seem a prick from what you read, but I'm just doing what you need me to do. I'm human too. I have the power to make or break you, and though sometimes I may rake you over coals, I'm just trying to make you. The stars. Did I go too far? He's human too. With his fingers stained with ink. He can make you sink or swim. How else would we know what to think and what to do? He's human too. We should thank the Lord for critics and their brilliant analytics. How else would punters know which way to face? They save us from our stupid punter taste. Our stupid taste. Whoa, thank the Lord for critics. We salute them all. From the finest film reviewers to the scribblers in the stalls. Thank the Lord for critics. Without them you'd be screwed. They watch the stupid shit we make so our shit won't get to you. Thank the Lord for critics. We salute them all. From the finest film reviewers to the scribblers in the stalls. Thank the Lord for critics. Without them you'd be screwed. We watch the stupid shit we make so our shit won't get to you. Thank the Lord for critics. Yeah. 
Thank the Lord for critics. Michael Billington. Thank the Lord for critics. Thank the Lord for critics. Dr. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> Dr. Michael Jackson. <laughs> You're so racist, Stephen. Thank the Lord for critics. Aristotle. Yeah. Thank the Lord for critics. Hey, thank you, everybody. I feel more understood now. And I hope to move forward writing reviews with slightly less bitterness. No, thank you for being the guardian of the arts. I've learned that we need critics. They're absolutely vital to our happiness. <laughs> and, and thank you for being our fan. Oh, yes, thank you. I've learned that you have to give your best, even, there's only, even if there's only one just audience one. member, just the one, and that you just can't fuck shit when the going gets tough. That's right, Ebony. You can't thank just you. fuck shit. Thanks, Ivory. Thank you for bringing so much joy into our lives with your quirky but familiar observations. Oh. <laughs> it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you all for not rejecting me. I don't think I could take another rejection. Oh. Wow. What a journey we've all had. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's been a brilliant and complex journey. It's been a veritable roller coaster of a narrative arc. <laughs> Three stars. Thank the Lord for critics. We salute them all. Thank the Lord for critics. We salute them all. Thank the Lord for critics. We salute them all. Ready? Thank the Lord for critics. Thank you very much to the cast of The Guardian, the musical. Stephen K. Amos, Lucy Porter, Craig Hill, Chris Green and Tim Minchin. I just also want to thank uh, the playwright Joel Horwood. He helped us with the script, but he couldn't be here today. Thanks very much for listening. For more information, go to theguardian.co.uk slash Edinburgh. Right, if someone take this microphone, I'm going to go for a smoothie. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.